high desert in far east west texas this is the world's fastest growing sports media podcast with bet sports tv ratings okay for this episode i'm very pleased to be joined by sports business journal slash sports business dailies john orand and austin carp and i'm guessing listeners to this podcast don't need an introduction but uh, john writes and reports on uh, trends and in, in tv and media for for big sports business and uh, and also plays a big role in the sort of annual and semi-annual uh, local RSN ratings posts for MLB, NBA, and and the NHL. And uh, Austin is the assistant managing editor, and uh, he covers the TV the TV ratings beat on a on a regular basis. Uh, John Austin, welcome to the world's fastest growing sports media podcast with that Sports TV ratings. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having us. Ah, my pleasure. Uh, so, so a quick one. Um, I've become a big fan of the uh, the short morning buzz. That's usually like three to four minutes, uh, three to four minute recap of the biggest sports stories. Uh, I think it's a, a great quick way to stay up to speed on the news cycle. And I know executive editor Abe Madcor usually does those, and uh, Rick Ellington sometimes does them. Uh, but Austin, I know you do them too. I'm just curious uh, how long does how long does that take? You know, from from writing to reading to posting. Well, you know, uh, for me, I will usually take around 30 minutes to put together a script, you know, having gone through a lot of the stories of the morning, stuff that we've seen from around the sports world, stuff we've read, and kind of pick out three to four, maybe five items that we really feel would be of interest to to our readers. And uh, I'll just put together a couple notes and, uh, you know, go to work. That, sound, that sounds good. I uh, highly recommend it. Uh, it is the uh, Sports Business Journal's Morning Buzz. Uh, so for Austin, anyone who I doesn't... ask a question on that, like as you write your script, you, you do you write them specifically for the podcast, or is is it do you use the same sort of uh, strategy as as you write for the daily? Like like uh, it's, it's specifically for the podcast. You know, I try to get the the news of it, and then I'll, I'll try to spice it up a little bit with some sort of commentary, so it's not just reading headlines because anybody can do that. Uh, but yeah, try and inject some of the knowledge that I've had from you know working ten years here now. It's great. Again, highly recommend it. Um, and I know you guys have probably in the last couple of weeks have been hammered about this particular topic. But the uh, the graying uh, the graying of the uh, sports TV viewer piece that S- SBJ did was was pretty phenomenal, and uh, and at least in a, a in a couple of cases, uh, pretty pretty eye opening, or at least it was for me, uh, particularly with the I believe it was. Uh, the the mixed martial arts median age and the uh, the WWE or, or professional wrestling median age. Uh, uh, what's what's the feedback that you guys have gotten on that story? I thought that that story. Um, first of all, there's there's been a ton of feedback. It, it, it's a uh, you know, sports business journal really is you know de- deals he- heavily in sort of the sports trade. And so every now and then we get a story that goes, quote unquote, viral, as viral as something goes. And, and this was one of them. And it's a, to me, Robert, it's just the whole thing of, you know, trying to get kids to watch TV. And what, what I think network executives say and what I think leagues say is that kids are still consuming sports just as much, if not more that, than before. They're just doing it in a different way than you and I do. And I, the, the example I always give is I'm, I'm a Washington Wizards fan and I was watching a Wizards game with my son, except for I was sitting in front of a big screen TV watching the RSN 
and my son was in front of the computer and every five minutes he would come over and show me his smartphone and it would have a, a highlight from Twitter that I had just seen like five minutes before, you know, and I was like, you could, you could sit here and watch this with me, but and like, it's almost like old and boring the way I'm watching it. Like he, he wants to be interactive. He wants to be at the computer and do like 50 different things. And I, I think that that's, that to me was the big sort of takeaway from the graying of sports. Every single sport is being affected some more than others. And it's, it's just like, you know, kids are, are consuming it differently and they're trying to figure out where to get them and also how to get that kind of that money from, from those other areas where the, the kids are going. Right. I, 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 it, it's not clear to me that they figured the, uh, the second part of that out yet. Oh no. I mean, the, the, the money that's in digital is, uh, you know, they used to say pennies to the dollar. I guess it's like a dime to a dollar now, but it's, uh, right. it still is, you know, way down there. So on, on the, uh, on the graying of TV, um, how how do you think how do you think that will impact, if at all, upcoming rights deals? Um, I think that it will make the rights deals even more valuable. So people expecting you know, like this bubble to burst, I don't see it bursting because I I think personally that with the graying of TV and and uh, sports is a one thing that's holding the cable business together. If it weren't for sports and, and at that sort of live programming, people would have cut the cord and binge watch Netflix, you know, a decade ago. And I and so I, I think that you have NBC and you have Fox and you have ESPN and uh, CBS to a certain extent that still see live sports as holding it's 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 uh, smaller now, but it's the, the glue that's holding this cable industry together. And I think it becomes even more valuable. Uh, I agree. Um, uh, sort of a, on a semi-related topic, and this one, this one's probably more for John. Uh, John, you you have been sort of a uh, a big watcher of uh, of whether any of these Google, Facebook, Apple, et cetera, uh, you know, big technology firms will uh, start to participate in in more than a sort of a toe in the water way. Uh, so I would consider like what what uh, the NFL did with uh, Amazon and uh, what they did. Well, last year with Twitter, that's that's toe in the water stuff. But I, I got a sense from you that uh, that you think it's going to be maybe more than a toe in the water next round. Do I have that right? I'm not so sure about that. I, I think it will. I think it'll be more than a toe in the water. But I think that you know I've I've talked to a couple of TV executives about this. So this is coming from the TV uh, viewpoint. At what point does Facebook and Twitter? And YouTube decide that they're going to use sports as a loss leader, which is what they would have to do for for right. uh, for, for the the rights fees. Like the uh, cable, the cable networks were able to use sports as a loss leader because it would increase their um, the, their their carriage fees from cable operators, and th- there was a whole another side of the business that they could go to. That doesn't exist for Facebook. Or Twitter. I mean, there's there's not really that other side of the business, right? Yeah, but uh, but but let me uh, just real quick, where it is the other side of the business, and what's going to be fascinating, I think, this fall, is Amazon. Like, think of everything they can sell off of (laughs) sports. So, if all of a sudden you increase your prime, and all of a sudden, just imagine you're watching 
a football game and you're like, boy, I want that jersey. And like through Amazon, you can actually order that jersey, have it shipped to you. I mean, there, there's so many areas that, that that could work. And I can tell you that the TV executives I talk to, they're not overly scared by Google and and, uh, and they're not overly scared by Facebook. It's Amazon that terrifies them. I, I agree with Amazon. I was reading a Piper Jaffrey note that said Amazon Prime now has around 60% penetration in U.S. homes. I mean, that's incredible. Uh, yeah, it is. And I am uh, I'm not necessarily a big Prime video watcher, but uh, I mean, nope, just I Amazon. By the way, yeah. that Prime video, the number of Prime subscribers that watch video is so small. And so that's a, that, that's another growth area. If they start to bring in video and bring in more people, I mean, you, you're, you're not alone, Robert. Yeah. So, so the, the thing that I wonder about, and I, I think the, uh, the next deals come up in like 2022 or 2023 for the NFL. Do I have that right? Yeah, I think uh, right around that area. I think it's 2021, 2022. So, mm-hmm. so one, one thing that, that I'm, I'm curious to see. So right now, like if, if, if the, if the deals were going to be negotiated today, I, I would say no way that the, uh, that the NFL would want to do a deal, uh, an exclusive, you know, package deal, with with one of those companies, because even if one of those companies was willing to step up and overpay, the viewership of the product uh, I think would uh, fall dramatically, and uh, I worry that will still be the case uh, even a few years down the road. You want to grab that, Austin? Yeah, I don't think I I, I agree. I, I don't think that it's ripe yet for a complete package to be on one of these services. I think it needs more time to develop for. For the masses, the, the masses have to have years and years of adoption on these services, and I, I don't think it's going to be there for even the next round in four years. Right. Well, it depends on what what the the package is, because e- even the the cable packages that the NFL um, has sold, those aren't sort of exclusive to cable. They still still have to have be over the air in the in the home markets. I mean, the NFL, right. it, unlike every single other league in the uh, in America the NFL is a broadcasters league and it wants its stuff on broadcast TV and it wants it available to, to the most people so I, I don't think that you'll see them you know uh, go even with cable and say um, you know uh, th- that it's it's just yours with no um, over-the-air component even selling off that Thursday night package to, to you know one of these tech companies, then you're, you're tossing maybe in, into question what's the future of, of NFL Network in, in general if they're right. not going to have any more live games. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. Um, you know, stick, sticking with the NFL, uh, I know it's, uh, it's still a, a couple of months off, but, uh, and I know you guys have both talked a ton about it, but uh, let, let's revisit uh, the, the TV ratings from last season and uh, what you guys are thinking is going to happen for the coming season. I'm I'm expecting a flip back to the positive. I, I, I think people want to get back to football, especially as a distraction now. And I think you're going to you're going to see upticks on majority of the networks. Yeah. Go call old takes exposed because it, <laughs> I will guarantee you that we'll see a, a big, a relatively big increase in NFL ratings this this year. I think that the election cycle was uh, was unique in, in American TV history. Uh, I, I think that the, the news network ratings were uh, I mean, those those ratings were up so high. And I think that if you take a look, look at why NFL ratings dropped there, there are plenty of reasons. But the number one reason by far 
is just that, that there was a, such big, big competition by the news networks and the, the election. You know, one of the things and and I'm actually probably looking looking for advice from you guys. So, um, you know, there was a lot of, uh, I, you know, I think Krupe would refer to it as specious crap uh, analysis about why the ratings were down. And um, I, I let some of that stuff really boil my blood, but uh, you guys were were more were more calm and wise. Uh, how, how do you you know how do you deal with you know some of the you know the questionable uh, stuff that gets out there as far as reasons why the the ratings are down and and then like how do you deflect that easily with a with a wave of a hand and uh, without uh, showing uh, any 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 irateness on your parts. Well, because I actually I don't dismiss it. I mean, I, I think the people making those arguments don't know about ratings like you or me or Krupe. Um Krupe, who I used to work with, by the way, I, mean, I, I love I love Anthony. Uh, but like so, you know, take the Kaepernick example. Um, did Kaepernick have any influence on the TV ratings? I would say, as I think I'll, I'll speak for all three of us, not one whit. Um, <laughs> how, however, Kaepernick, the, the, there's something there. I mean, the, 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 my Internet feed was filled with uh, with uh, anti NFL uh, based on on uh, anti NFL tweets based on Colin Kaepernick. So for me, it, it was less about what's going on with the ratings and more about here's something that I think the NFL like really needs to address because, you know, it might not be hitting the ratings, but it certainly is hitting a brand among a certain segment of the people that they want to market to. And so they, they need they need to figure that out. Um, and I, I think that you can sort of go down the list because to me, NFL, re- whenever NFL ratings are down, it's my favorite because everybody's pet peeve about what they hate about the NFL. You know, <laughs> the, the number of people that said the ratings are down because they have the ad after the after the extra point and before the kickoff. And then, you know, and it's like that's not why they're down. But, but the NFL <laughs> actually reacted to that one. I know exactly. It's because I think the NFL isn't saying this is going to goose ratings. I think the NFL is saying, boy, we recognize that people really hate that. Listen to that. So it it has less to do with ratings because nobody understands ratings. It has more to do with with just uh, check marks of what what people find irritating about the most popular and powerful sports league in America. Images, everything. Austin, what are your thoughts on that? It's these things are primarily cyclical and I'm not going to treat one season as the end all be all as to where the NFL ratings are going to go. But Austin, Um, I think what Robert was asking was like, like what, when you see clearly wrong interpretations of ratings, like how, as somebody that knows ratings, how do you stay sort of centered on that? I'll try to pass along empirical data that I have, but if it's somebody who's, responding to maybe a tweet that I might have, uh, you know, all, all season it was Monday night football down, Sunday night football down. Then you get a lot of responses on Twitter. Oh, you know, I'm not watching ever again because of this Kaepernick stuff. And, you know, if you, you, Hey, you just can't respond to a lot of that stuff because there's just not, no data really to show any, to prove any of that. So I just, I stuck to the data that I have and, you know, I I go with, with the facts. The Jack Friday approach. Joe Friday. <laughs> Joe Friday. Just Jack Webb. Jack Webb. There you go. Just the facts, ma'am. Uh, okay, so uh, stick, sticking with uh, sticking with ratings, uh, the NBA Finals just ended, 
And uh, like last year, they were the most watched finals uh, since Jordan's last finals in 98. Uh, but unlike last year, the series only went five games. So to, uh, so to, to have achieved that in only five games is, is to me, very impressive. Um, but, there, you know, there's some data out there that, uh, you know, overall consumption, uh, you know, for the regular season and the playoffs and the finals was, was probably down around 10%. Uh, overall, in terms of minutes consumed for for the season, um, so h- how should people think about the the great finals ratings, and then like how does that how does that connect with the overall ratings picture? Well, it just I, I thought it just goes to show that people knew pretty much knew this was going to be the finals. It was it's a star driven league, and these teams had the biggest names and the stars. It was completely counterintuitive to what the regular season was. I mean, ratings were down. RSN, RSNs on the whole were down, what, 13%, 14%. They started off good in the first round with the playoffs, but the the conference semifinals and conference finals were snorefests and blowouts. But they got what they wanted and, you know, some of their biggest names on the brightest stage, and it gave them great numbers. This is exactly the same as the NFL. How many people? I hate the super teams. I can't stand the super teams. I don't want to see the super teams. And then they set records with the super teams. Um, I think that uh, it, it's pretty hard to judge uh, the ratings um, uh, in, in the playoffs just because there were so many sweeps. It was, it was so uncompetitive. I mean, it was such a unique playoff um, series for the uh, for the uh, NBA. It just in terms of you know the. Uh, Warriors just about running the table. Um, Cleveland almost ran the table through through the East, and, and so it, it it's pretty hard to get up and 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 watch for and a three not uh, when the series is three and zero. So I, I I do think that you know the Warriors and the Cavaliers, and there might be one or two other teams in there, but the Warriors especially like those ratings even in the regular season people are watching them. So it's, uh, you know, it's that they, they have become like a, you know, TV gold for some of these networks. Yeah. I mean, the, the, for sure, their goal last year was the special case. Cause you had the, uh, the Warriors first with the early in the season with the, you know, the long winning streak. And, uh, then, then the quest for 73, which I think boosted, uh, you know, some of the regular season stuff. Uh, but, uh, and, and, and then this year you only had five games. So I kind of, you know, number crunched, just based on the, uh, the the minutes, and had the had the series gone seven games, and the uh, you know the last two games uh, had averaged around twenty five million, it would have closed most of the uh, most of the year over a year gap. Yeah, and then I haven't uh, I haven't reported this yet, but uh, but I don't know. But I, I think the fact the series didn't go six, I know the ratings were up and they were great, but they still had uh, you know ads to sell, and, and yeah, and, and so I'm. I'm I'm wondering, you know, where ESPN because ESPN NBA Finals don't come around every month. I don't know where ESPN will put those ads that uh, you know that that, that um, you know they they end up not having. Yeah, some of them may may go to ABC. Some of them might have to wait until Monday Night Football. So that uh, that will be interesting to uh, to see how they handle handle any of that. Uh, but uh, you know, it still seems regar- regardless that. Uh, they they would uh, they would be fine with uh, with Cavs Warriors four next season. Oh, I think so, definitely. I mean, again, these are uh, not only teams, but 
You know, I, I always use my mother as a, as a test case. My mother knows who LeBron James is and probably can identify that he's number 23. I, I'm, she knows who Steph Curry is now. I mean, so I, I, it, they, they cross over to the cat, not only the casual sports fan, but the casual news news viewer right. uh, into pop culture. Exactly. Oh. Uh, okay. Um, what are, uh, what are some, some pretty big uh, TV ratings or even general sports uh, media business stories that uh, you guys feel like are big deals, but maybe don't get it get as much attention as they should? Well, something we've kind of reported on lately, we, we did a report on kind of a golf ratings on Sundays, just having an abysmal start to the, uh, to the 2017 season. It was something like eight or 18 or high teens, like weeks in a row where Sunday ratings were down for big, for, for either PGA tour events, including the map, you know, that includes the masters, like dating back to January. And this only ended like a week ago. So, you know, golf ratings going forward, like what, what are they really going to do? Like Tiger Woods is not coming back. People were kind of holding their breath for a little bit. Like, but like his star power, his carrying of events, that is, that's, that's done. So what is golf going to do to, to, to really pick it up on, on the TV side? Yeah. I mean, I know there was all the talk of the, you know, Rory and Spieth and all, you know, Dustin Johnson, all these guys were, we're going to, you, you know, we're, we're some of the best young golfers around and they were going to bring the eyeballs in, but uh, that's clearly not playing out so far. Yeah. I mean, the leaderboard at the U S open, I, you know, I had to look up who 90% <laughs> of the top 10 were. I just don't know. I mean, I'm not a huge golf fan, but I'm a, I'm a sports fan. I, I just don't right. know who some of these gentlemen were. Yeah. That's, that's just bad luck of the draw in terms of uh, how that leaderboard wound up and Phil bailing. Uh, yeah. That was, that was a, not a good uh, good luck for Fox. Yeah, if you're going to have a guy like like Brooks Kepka win the event, you know whether he wins by three or four strokes, as long as you have somebody like Spieth and Mickelson, you know, trailing him by a, a few strokes and in there on Sunday, you you can make up. You know, you can still have a decent rating, but not not with the leaderboard that they had. So so, how do you see it playing out? I mean, what do you what do you see the uh, you know the the golf folks doing uh, in order in order to uh, stem the tide? I'm not sure what they can do exactly. Like just you, you're looking for somebody who's in that, that dominant tiger form, that Jack Nicholas form. Like I, they're kind of waiting for the next great person to come and they're going to try to, you know, hold on and they're doing some, some nice things digitally and with the Twitter on, on, on early rounds. And they're doing a good job of trying to get golf out there. Like when you want to watch it, you could watch it at work via Twitter, but I mean, as far as carrying Sunday and getting up to those huge numbers you saw, you know, around the turn of the century with Tiger, you're going to have to get a really dominant golfer back. I'm not even sure if it's a dominant golfer so much, although that that would help. I, I, I think it's like, you know, Spieth has to win some more. And like if that was Spieth and Dustin Johnson going down at the, at, at the end of the uh, uh, of the U.S. Open, I think, you know, the ratings would have been up, you know. And, and I, I think that Spieth is somebody who's very young and has a potential to get, you know, to where Tiger is. Tiger's the ratings for Tiger didn't start out, you know, great guns, but they became it as as uh, people started to get to use my mother test again, you know, as people started to get get to know him and and get get to you recognize his name and you know, he wore red every Sunday and you know, it was sort of who he was. I think there's there's a there's a group of young golfers 
if they if they can continue to play well, you know that that'll be great. If they can't and, and fall off, and some other new young golfers uh, come aboard, then you know it'll take a few more years. But this is this is something that um, that the uh, PGA Tour has had to deal with. You know, Ernie left, and Jack came, and Jack left, and then you had like you know the Greg Norman sort of era, and then you know he left, and Tiger came on. They just need somebody else to to, to come on, and I'm I'm sure somebody will. I agree. So, uh, any, any other, uh, uh, hot button items for either of you that you yeah, think for, be... for me that, I mean, the, the main story for me, I, when you, when you updated your site, you always put out the, uh, monthly, uh, distribution numbers, right? Those are the, I mean, I can't think of a more powerful number, uh, more powerful statistic in the business now than those Nielsen estimates. And I, the, it, you take a look at ESPN, which was in you know hundred million homes just like six years ago. Now it's in like you know eighty seven million. Yeah. And uh, how? Where's the floor? I mean, does is it down to fifty? Is it eighty seven? Is it you know is it seventy five? Nobody knows the answer to that, and that that makes those reports you know that that uh, that that you know you, you come out every month. I mean, I. I, that, that I, I look at those even more than I look at the ratings because that to me is where the real money in the business is. And that right. to me also shows where the, uh, where the whole business is going. Well, but uh, you, but where, you talk about where it's going, but then that issue with the declining subscribers, that, that's a cable industry wide issue. So now look forward at skinny bundles. If that's, you know, a potential near future, what, legit skinny bundle is not going to carry ESPN. So they're everywhere. Yeah. So far as it's, far it's as skinny none. Go. Yeah. I think there is a, there's well, one. I, no, the, the, there are, well, you when you talk skinny bundles, Austin, are you talking about the uh, digital MVPDs like the Hulu and the direct TV nows? I mean, if you anybody worth, you know, anything is, is the first thing you do is make sure you carry ESPN. Well, I'll tell you what, right now, Austin, are, are you a cable subscriber? I am not. <laughs> Are you a cord cutter? I am a cord cutter. Oh my gosh! I can't whoa, believe. whoa! Breaking news. <laughs> I know. I'm on that borderline millennial. I'm sorry. Wait, how do you watch? How do you watch? Do you steal passwords? <laughs> I would never do that to the cable industry. <laughs> no, seriously, what's your what's your uh, what's your setup now for for watching TV? Various packages. If I, you know, some for some things, I may have to uh, go down the street to uh, watch a game with my father if I want to watch a certain game. But uh, you know, there are there are skinny bundles out there that carry what I need, and uh, you know, the I, rest uh, I, I can live without. I have Netflix. That's, that's a large portion of my, my portion of my entertainment options. I watched an Orioles game with Austin's father last year. It was a, a highlight of my year, I, I think. <laughs> But I am a uh, I am a very happy Comcast X1 subscriber here in uh, Washington D.C. And if I were uh, X1, if you don't have it, is an I'm, it's, it's just it's a platform of the future, and it's been been out for many years. But if and, I t- called up Comcast today and said, you know, my my cable bill is too high, I'm dropping video, they would offer me a a, a package that would not include ESPN. 
to, to in, in order to, to stick with it. I mean, the, the, those packages do exist. There's a reason ESPN has lost more subscribers than, than the c- cable industry. Yeah, uh, I think there's so- about a three million household gap between how much the overall pay TV is lost in households and uh, how much ESPN is lost. And so, so, and, and plus those are the numbers that uh, ESPN gets paid on. And so you know, the, the whole sports industry, I mean, the reason rights fees went up so high is because all of a sudden NBC launched a cable sports channel and Fox uh, launched a cable sports channel and ESPN had a cable sports channel. If those cable subscription fees aren't going to those networks, can they afford these big rights fees? I mean, it, it's a, it's a, just a completely uh, to me, that's the biggest story in the industry to follow, even more so than is, is Amazon going to get in or, you know, are the, the right. skin bundles going to work? Yeah, I, I agree. And and uh, I can actually, by the way, those numbers are still numbers I can probably post. But no, don't. Um, Austin and I get them, too. And, and you used to scoop <laughs> on those. <laughs> well, one reason why I'm, I'm holding off right now is that, you know, I think it was starting with the, like the January or February uh, cable coverage estimates. You know, Nielsen started including some boilerplate in there about how they're, you know, they're trying to add in all the the sling and and view and and direct TV now and all that stuff. Um, but the but you know the progress had been very slow. So I, I was just kind of waiting to to uh, to have that all fully baked in because every time those numbers get posted that, you know, it's the same question. Does that include sling TV and all that stuff? And it doesn't, but to be honest, all, all those digital MVPDs are still so small. I mean, they're not gaining ne- nearly the subscribers on those that they're losing on cable. I th- well, that- I think so. I think they certainly not, you know, it hasn't made up for the, uh, the 13 million that have been uh, shed over the last six years or so. But I think it, you know, might make up for some of the month to month stuff that we've been seeing in terms yes. of losses. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so one question I, I wanted to ask you guys is, is how you see, I know there's a lot of focus on ESPN and particularly with the, uh, with the, uh, the layoffs and, and, and that stuff, uh, which I, I know you get asked about a lot, but to, what I'm really curious about is is how you guys look at sort of what happened to ESPN2 in general after uh, they moved first take from ESPN2 to ESPN at the beginning of this year. Oh, Robert, you drive me crazy with, with, with that. I think personally <laughs> that weekday morning studio programming gets so much attention that's unwarranted. That's not where ESPN2 makes its money. That's where, I mean, if you get any kind of audience there, great. That doesn't, that doesn't inform form how much cable operators pay for ESPN. The dollar figures they, they bring in are, are completely insignificant uh, at, at those hours. I mean, so ESPN2 is a place where you can still see, you know, good live sports. Where, where, where's ESPN two going to be great college football season where all of a sudden there's going to be some like really good top 20 football matchups that, that happen uh, on ESPN two. But uh, that the, the, the morning stuff, I couldn't care. Uh, even, even the afternoon uh, programming, I couldn't care less about it. Just, it, it does, it doesn't matter a whit in the, in the grand scheme of things. So if I, if I'm hearing you correctly, you're telling me literally 
to stick to sports events. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> Stop. To, I, <laughs> you can it's keep pennies doing, on the dollar in in those morning slots. It, keep it, doing it, uh, what, what is it? Rawhide. I, I now you haven't done uh, gun smoke. Gun smoke. Gun smoke. Yes, you can keep doing. Gun. Listen, I I understand that it's a that that it's clickable. I'm in, I'm interested in it too. This is part of what Fox is trying to do is to and you know is to beat them in the afternoon programming. And if you build an afternoon audience, you know, hopefully they can sneak through to the uh, to, to to some of the games. But uh, I, I I I I I read the stories and I click on the stories. I just I don't care about them. Ultimately, it's cotton it's cotton candy. Uh, Austin, I stepped on you. Any thoughts on that? No, I totally agree that you know. During the college football, all the college time. basketball Austin totally agrees. Hey, thanks, man. You you just get you get incredible return on ESPN two in that primetime window. You get great games, or even during the daytime, you, twelve o'clock on and then falls on Saturday. You can get a really solid SEC football game on ESPN two sometimes. Like you're just not going to get that on some other cable networks. I agree. Okay, guys, uh, final question, and it is a it is a ratings question. So um, you guys have sort of been among the champions of the notion that uh, when it comes to MLB ratings, uh, you know, it's really more of a, a regional and, and, uh, and not a national product. And I'm actually getting the sense that, uh, that uh, your hard work over the last few years is paying off and, and that more people are actually framing it that way now. Uh, how, how do you guys look at uh, – uh, not so much what the ratings are for the RSNs and the national packages, but how how the how the national ratings are now being spun. Baseball is regional. I mean, that, I'm not. It's tough to take away anything from like Sunday night baseball, especially we had numbers today. They're up 13. percent Right. You know, a lot of that was buoyed by the first game, the Cubs Cardinals game, to start of the season. But uh, you know, they're up. But I mean, they're coming off some seasons of record lows there with the national packages and. Baseballs are, I, you know, I like watching, you know, John and I are both huge Orioles fans. I love watching Gary Thorne or listening to Gary Thorne call a game. And then I, you know, I tune in the fall and it's people that haven't been with me for 162 games attempting to dissect my team for me. And that just, you know, it doesn't do it for me. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge Giants fan uh, for the last 20 years or so. And I find that uh, lately for, uh, you know, for all the nationally televised playoff games, uh, I figure out how to sync up my, uh, my DVR playback with the, uh, with the, the radio, the local radio streaming audio. I mean, I love what Turner has done with, you know, during the final four, you know, they'll have the main telecast on one channel. Then you can kind of have like a Homer sort of telecast on another, where it's your local guys, you know, calling the game for you. And, you know, I, I like the innovation there. Well, I think I saw that you know even even uh, Rob Manford is now, uh, you know, throwing out the uh, the bullet point that uh, in you know in like ten of the thirty markets, uh, the baseball will be the you know the number the number one watch programming of the day, uh, you know during during the baseball season. Uh, so it 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 seems like that that mess- when I first started sports TV ratings, it, it felt like nobody had that message, and and now. And now it seems like everybody does. I don't know if that's uh, if if that's credit to you, uh, Austin and John, but I'm giving you credit for it anyway. Uh, we'll, we'll take the credit. Uh, it's undeserved, I, I think. But it it seems it seems so obvious to me. I mean, if you go to a game 
the it's a nice crowd. You know, baseball is an old sport, right? If you right. attend the game, I see kids running around all the time at these games. I, right. I so, so you know, it, it doesn't it, it plays with my mind on in terms of that. And it's a it is a hugely strong and successful sport on a regional on, on a regional level. Um, and I think that if like if you can take a look at, at what Fox did with the World Series last year, and there are certain cases where you have you know, like brands like the Cubs that where it becomes a, you know a, a national uh, uh, happening, and and the, and those ratings were were through the roof. And uh, yeah, uh, yeah that, that was the rear intersection of national ha- happening, uh, a great series, and a, and a great final game all the way around. Right, right, and and the fact that you had two teams that hadn't won in you know in centuries, literally. Well, in the case of the Cubs, I think only six. This century have won in since last century for uh, for. What the were the Indians? Yeah. Forty eight? Is that right? Forty seven, forty eight. Yeah. Yeah. Makes, I think it was forty eight. Awesome. That makes nineteen eighty three seem like yesterday, right? Uh, like I, I, it upsets me that that is counted within my my lifetime, but I was only three, so I don't really. Remember much about that title run? Uh, so I was a I was a dilettante Orioles fan in '83 because I lived in uh, D.C. at the time, and the you know the Nats were were not a glimmer in anyone's eye yet. Uh, so I remember the uh, I remember the uh, '80s Orioles fondly. Washington's favorite birds, uh, they were called at that time. Yeah, you know that always rubbed me the wrong way because like everyone in D.C. did kind of adopt the Orioles, but when uh, when the when the Baltimore was looking to. Uh, to get a football team back and you would say, well, 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 why don't you just watch the, uh, the, the Redskins and they'd be like, you know, I'd sell my children to the gypsies before I do that. See, so. there's, there's the, the dichotomy between DC and Baltimore as a, I can say as a Washingtonian is great because everybody, everybody in Washington loves Baltimore and everybody in Baltimore hates Washington. <laughs> <laughs> and even though they hate Washington, we all still love Baltimore. It's, it's, and it's, and, it's and so that hasn't, I haven't lived there in 30 years. It's still the same. Still, still the same. Although I have to tell you, the the rivalry between the Nats and the Orioles is like my favorite rivalry in sports because it's so nice. Like you, you go to a Mets Yankees games, and I guarantee you'll see you'll see fights. But if you go to a, an Orioles Nats game, you see families half in Nats gear, half in Orioles gear. My my daughter <laughs> had to tell me, "Sorry, Dad, I'm a Nats fan." You know, I mean, it's 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 just like a nice little thing. It's like a, a real community event. Yeah, that happens in the uh, in the Bay Bridge series too with the uh, with the A's and the Giants. And I'm not, you know, there, there are the people who you know wear the the hat that's half of each team. Uh, I do not support those people. Yeah, that, it's it's impossible to support those people. <laughs> so, on the uh, you you mentioned the rivalry rivalry between the the Nats and the Orioles. Um, there really is, though, a real business TV rivalry there, and uh, I haven't really looked in on that in a year. Can you tell me what's going on, sort of between uh, Masson and uh, and uh, you know with the Orioles and the Nats? Yeah, and it, it, the, the right, the right. If there is a rivalry, it certainly exists in the front office of uh, of, of the two teams, as opposed to the fan bases. Um, right now, uh, the, the the basic story is that you know the um, Orioles uh, or Angelos owns. Masson, which holds the rights to the uh, to the Nationals, and the Nationals want a uh, a bigger increase in their rights fee to um, to mirror what we've been talking about this huge explosion of rights all over the place. Uh, Angelos does not want to pay that huge uh, blowout of rights 
because he said when they when he signed the deal, they agreed to a certain formula to develop the rights, which has it much lower. Uh, so th- there is no middle to be met in, in there. They're so far apart. Uh, they've sued, countersued, counter countersued, and that case is still in the courts. And I don't expect it'll be um, decided anytime soon. So can you give a ballpark like what do the Nats feel like they're losing on an annual basis because of the deal? I mean, what do the Giants get? The, 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 I think the Nats feel like they should be getting like uh, I, 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 I this is scary doing this because I don't have it in front of me. But the Nats feel like they should probably get around, you know, like one hundred million dollars probably. Right. And and uh, the, the Orioles are saying like, well, according to our formula, you should be getting like, you know, 30 million. Uh, per year, yeah, I think it's somewhere in double, triple, something, you know, something really. They want a lot more. And uh, and I, to, to, to be honest, I, I'm a Washingtonian, and it's like it's outrageous. Of course, this baseball team should be getting comparable rights fees to these other similar teams, right? And that, but but by the same token, Angelos, you know, he he allowed this team to come in, and he 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 did that contract, and the learners knew when they bought the team what was in that contract, and he's like, "Look, I'm holding you to the contract." So I don't know, I I, I can see both sides on this, and I'm probably the only person in America who can. Austin, where do you come down on that? I think it's one of those, you know, it's one of those deals in sports where someone just lawyers really did a good job. This is a Spirits of St. Louis, Bobby Bonilla type contract where one side is really just whipping the other. <laughs> Spoken like a true Orioles fan there. Uh, I love it. So, so, uh, so I, have, I, God, know, I don't want my neighbors to listen to this pod and get all mad at me. Uh, you got to fly the Nats colors on the doorstep. I can't see you doing that though. Yeah, that won't happen. Uh, so, so uh, how many, how many Nats games do you go to a year versus Orioles, John? Uh, you know, the, the Nats are so close and local and, and it, it, the neighbors go there. So I probably go to a few more Nats games and Orioles. I probably do like four or five Nats games and maybe two or three Orioles games. But uh, as far as TV watching, Ozone, oh, it's, it's, it's Orioles all the time. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, even when, so, even when uh, Jim Hunter is doing it with Mike Bordick. Right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but uh, you still get how many games a year is Palmer doing? He's still great. Paul, uh, the, the the drop off between Gary Thorne and Jim Palmer uh, to uh, to Jim Hunter and Mike Bordick is the biggest in sports. It's probably the biggest in in, in TV. Wouldn't you agree, Austin? It's a pretty sharp drop off. Yeah, I mean Thorne Thorne and Palmer. I mean that's that's a world class booth right there. That's a national booth. They're 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 they they are a joy to listen to. They really are. Yeah, it kind of worries me when uh, when when Jim decides to hang him up as far as an analyst. He might not ever do that. I mean, uh, what is he? Seventy, and uh, he still looks like Jim Palmer. Seventy. He lo- yeah, he looks forty. <laughs> uh, so I figured if I couldn't go inside the inside of the baseball with you guys, I wouldn't be able to do it with anyone. So I thank you both very much for joining the podcast, and I hope it wasn't uh, such a bad experience that you'll ignore my calls and emails the next time I ask to have you on. Oh, uh, this was fun. I just want to get more uh, more listens than a uh, croupy. That's all. <laughs> had a great time thanks again to Austin and John for joining me and thank you for listening next time ESPN PR's Ben Cafardo uh, Ben primarily works on ESPN's NBA and MLB related programming and I'm looking forward to catching up with him
I am spazzing again. Apologies. Uh, We're not making you better, Robert. That's it. So you know what? It's just it's just one of those days. You, you so I guarantee you, you will have made me better by the time I have edited this. Um, <laughs> I'm just used to having to prop up John. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing a good job, Austin. Thank you.